There was a, a church in England. It's recorded that they had their, their mission statement on a sign. It said, we preach Christ crucified. And that was their mission statement. It was on a sign outside their church. Soon, there was ivy that started growing on the sign. And very soon, all you could read from the sign was, we preach Christ. And as this is happening, the focus in the mission of the church is basically following, ironically, what is going on with the sign. And the ivy continued to grow. Then all you could read in the sign was, we preach. Soon after, the ivy continued to grow, and all you saw was, we And as I said, ironically, that's exactly how the church went. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ. We preach. And it was just we. And that's how the trend of the the church went. And often, we as a church can lose sight of our mission, our purpose, the reason why we're here, the mission God has given us. And we can start proclaiming that we preach Christ crucified. Over time, it can happen where we begin to stop proclaiming the unpopular truths of the gospel, that we are all sinners, that we all deserve damnation, rightfully and justly so, that if we got justice, it would not be good for us. But Jesus came and he died for us. We preach Christ. And sometimes in church, we can lose sight of Jesus himself and become just focused on uh, on us, get focused on uh, preaching messages that are just feel good and that's just the focus is, we preach it becomes our, our mission. And then just like the, the church is silent, the church itself, it just turns into we. It's just a focus on us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about why we do what we do. Why are we here? Why do we gather? Why do we have small groups? Why do we have Sunday school class? Why do we think it is absolutely essential we gather together every week on the Lord's Day? Why do we do this? In our passage today, you'll see is a commission that Jesus gives his specific apostles for that specific time and sends them out. And we'll look at that. And this is very applicable because during this time of kind of unstable, uh, unrest, don't really know what's going on, affects many different areas of our lives, we can lose sight of what are we doing and why are we doing it. We can lose sight of that very easily. And so as I said in our passage today, Jesus commissions his specific 12 apostles for a specific commission for a specific time. And you'll see me using this word over and over and over, specific, specific. Because it was specific for them at that time. But what I want us to do, we'll see that, and then we'll see the mission Jesus has given the church, and then we'll see what does that mean for us here at Soway Bible Chapel. So that's, that's the progression we're looking at today. We'll look at the passage, look at the specific commission to the apostles. We'll look at the commission to the church that's been for 2,000 years, and we'll see what does that mean for us here at Soway Bible Chapel. And may God be glorified as we hear this, as we preach the word, and then as we go and do. And so if you have not already, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. And yes, as you have noticed, as I said, I'm repeating the word specific about this passage because it is very specific to the 12 apostles for a specific time. And we'll go through that, why that is. And then we'll connect it to the actual mission that applies to us and then here at Solway. And as a reminder... This is coming soon after we vividly saw the power of Jesus Christ over creation, over demons, 
over disease and over death. We just saw that at the end of chapter 8 in these four different scenes. This is coming right after that. So picking up in verse 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. We have seen over and over in our study of Luke, Jesus going from village to village. We see him healing people. We'll see him preaching the kingdom of God. We see this everywhere. And throughout this, Jesus has been limited by time and location. He can only be in one place at one time as he is God incarnate. But now we see that Jesus commissions his apostles to go out to do exactly what he's been doing. And look at this. I thought this was very interesting. He calls the 12 together. And the 12 being back in chapter 6, the 12 apostles. But interestingly here, there's likely from this verse or this, uh, this saying here, the 12 were probably not all together all the time. There's a good chance they weren't. If they had families, they had jobs. Uh, Peter had a mother-in-law, so obviously, he, obviously he's married. They had homes to attend to. If you look at the list of the apostles in the New Testament, um, they're always listed in three groups of four names. And the four names can be moved around, but it's always listed in these three groups of four names. So possibly, these groups weren't always together as the twelve, but they were in different times with Jesus at different times. The point being, this commission, Jesus won all of them twelve together. All twelve of them are there. And then we hear what their mission is. First, Luke records... That Jesus gave them power and authority over demons and diseases, which is exactly what we just saw from Jesus the passage before. Jesus having power and authority over nature, over demons, over disease, and over death. And if you are like me, you're like, dang, that'd be super nice if I had power over disease and over demons. That'd be really nice. It'd be very convincing. But what's important to see here is that uh, this healing, this power that Jesus gave the disciples was not an end in of itself. It wasn't just to heal, just to heal. That's not what the purpose was. Rather, the apostles having this authority testifies to their authority as God representatives carrying God's message. Follow with me here. Uh, 2 Corinthians. Who reads 2 Corinthians often? It could be kind of a, a harsh letter. But in it, Paul, he defends his apostleship against these false teachers. So throughout 2 Corinthians, Paul defends himself quite a bit for the sake of Christ. In it, he records this in chapter 12. He says, The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Paul is saying, I did what testifies that I am a true apostle. And he's referring to these miracles, these works, these healings, exactly what Jesus gives the apostles in this passage. This was common. This, these miracles were not an end of itself, but rather it val- validated the message that the apostles were teaching. We see this in Hebrews chapter 2. The writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, And it was attested to us by those who heard, while God God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. This healing, these exorcisms that the apostles uh, performed by Jesus' power, they were there, they happened in order to validate their message. That was the purpose here. 
we'll see in Luke 11 that Jesus declares that the authority to cast out demons does, in fact, it's evidence that the kingdom of God has come upon them. And then uh, we've seen at uh, um, Jesus in the synagogue of Nazareth, we've seen when John the Baptist sent people to Jesus asking questions, that Jesus said that these miracles that you pointed to were, they were signs, evidence of a special time has come. The year of the Lord's favor has come, as he's recorded or requoted from Isaiah. And so Jesus gives the specific 12 apostles authority and power over demons and diseases because it validates their message that it is from God. And what is their message? And what is their mission? It's to proclaim the kingdom of God. And this is probably very familiar. Like we've seen this multiple, multiple times in Luke. This has been repeated everywhere. To to remind us of a specific scene, in chapter 4, Jesus has been healing many people. This is at the end of Luke chapter 4, it's recorded. He's healing many people. says he's among the people. He's been doing lots of miracles. And they don't want him to leave. Understandably, they don't want Jesus to leave. He's literally healing everyone. Diseases and sickness that they've been dealing with, he's getting rid of it. And so they don't want him to leave. But then Jesus says, I must go on. And he says this. Chapter 4, verse 43 says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So this, this mission that the apostles have to proclaim the kingdom of the good news of the kingdom of God is exactly what Jesus has been doing. This is very familiar, very common, as we saw throughout Luke. And so Jesus sends the apostles to do exactly that, to proclaim the kingdom of God. I want to pause for a minute here and just kind of uh, clarify what that means. I'm not sure if I've done that a good job um, since we've been going through this. Uh, we've seen the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, to proclaim the kingdom of God. We keep on seeing this come up in Jesus' mouth everywhere. So I just want to pause, and what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? What is this message? So I want to get a very quick few uh, points. And I, I, I'm adapting them from uh, R.C. Sproul's Ministry of Ligonier because they do a fantastic job. So I'm just going to adapt a little bit from them. So what is proclaiming the kingdom of God? What does that mean? It means this. Number one, God is completely sovereign over all. Completely. In that sense, he rules over everything and everyone. But ever since the fall of Adam, this realm has been an, an open rebellion against God. Open rebellion. They, the, the, we, the lost, do not want to embrace the lordship of God, the reign of God. And the kingdom of God is the place where God's reign is happily embraced and submitted to. That's the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, he has come to overcome humanity's suppression of this truth that Jesus is king, we are not, and we are, are to be his loyal subjects. And it's in the person and the work of Jesus Christ that there's victory over sin and death. And he reigns now as king and lord, and he has come to make things right. Now, to proclaim this, the gospel, the good news it means to announce that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to become a part, a citizen of his kingdom through faith alone. He has done all of it. And so we preach this good news, announcing the reign of Jesus the Lord, and we repeat the command that Jesus says, repent, 
Repent, turn from your sins, submit to Christ in faith. The, the, the good news of the, the, the gospel of the kingdom of God, repent, trust in Christ, bow down to his rule. And then and it's always taken on those who refuse to obey the gospel will know God's judgment. It's sure and it's near. And so that's the message of the gospel kingdom of God. And it's good news, the gospel, good news. Good news because Jesus Christ has come, the Lord has come, and he's going to make things right. He's making things right. And number two, we can be forgiven. He has done everything necessary for us to be forgiven. And it's through faith alone that we become citizens and we become children of God. And so that's the, the, the good news, proclaiming the gospel, the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus sends the apostles out. That's what Jesus has been doing. And now he sends the apostles out. And then Jesus continues in instruction. Follow this. Verse 3, he says, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. I'm sure every one of us has some story of some vacation or trip where we go, get maybe two, three hours away, where you're like, you're not turning back, and you're like, I forgot this. Whatever it is, I forgot, right, everyone? Oh, man, I remember uh, at, when we were helping out with a youth group, we went to um, the, the Ark in Kentucky. Um, Ken Ham has the, the Noah's Ark, has it together. We went, and we forgot so many things. Uh, it was just like, oh my goodness. And then, but here, Jesus is saying to the apostles, don't take anything. Nothing. Don't take anything. And here we see this is a specific instruction to the specific 12 for a specific time. Later, in Luke chapter 22, if you want to write this down or look at it later, Luke 22, verse 35 and 38, Jesus specifically refers back to this and says, but now... Take these things. These things he just said, don't take at this, at this specific commission. Now he says, but now, things have changed. Do the ex- almost the exact opposite in terms of taking these things. So that's why we keep on saying that this is a specific commission for a specific time. Because it changes. The specific instruction of taking things, it's different. Jesus says, do, do take these things. We also see, it's not included here, but in the parallel accounts in Matthew, this is uh, Matthew Chapter 10, Matthew includes that Jesus says, do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go to the Samaritans. Go to the Jews only. And we know that that changes. It was only for a specific time. So I'm emphasizing this was for a specific time. What we see here in this commission, Jesus basically tells the, the, the 12, travel light, trust God to provide through those who receive your message. One thing I want to point out in that list, he says, uh, nor beg. One of the things he refers to is beg. And most likely what this refers to is in that day, uh, beggars and itinerant pastors, or, or I should say pastors, but, but preachers, they would have a beg. And they'd go around and they would take money. They would actually go house to house very normally, commonly looking for money. And so Jesus says, I do not want that. In this, That's not what he wants. That's not what he's here about. Uh, in fact, in the New Testament, we see often tied to false teachers is their love of money. Very often, those two things are tied together. And Jesus here is saying, nope, you'll be provided for by God to those who receive your message. And we see this, def- this, this dependence and trust on God. And then Jesus finishes the commission. Follow with this. Verse 4. Jesus says, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. 
And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. A few things here. He says, yep, whatever house that receives you, stay there. Do not depart. And again, this is, this is touching on the whole money issue. Do not go from house to house looking for money. That's not what this is about. But stay there. The place that receives you, stay there. But then to those who do not receive you, Jesus says, leave, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So uh, it was common in that time for Jews who, who had to go through um, pagan territory or Gentile territory, it was actually custom of them to stop, literally take out their shoes and dust it, their feet off, and then move on as if it, uh, to show uh, dusting off the uncleanness. But with the context of what's going on here, Jesus is saying this seemingly, as many mentioned, more of a, almost a sign of good riddance, if you will. It's, Jesus says, as a testimony against them, that rejecting the message of truth is very serious. In Matthew 10, the parallel account Matthew records, the same thing going on here. He includes Jesus saying this, about the towns that reject the message, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. And we know exactly what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus says, those who reject your message, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah than them. And so this is very serious. And this type of, of comment by Jesus here is, we see this all over in Acts. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is leaving the Ephesian elders. He says this to them, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul is saying, I'm innocent. I, I proclaim the truth. Whatever you do with it, if you reject it, it's on you. My hands are clean. We see this is the same exact thing Paul does with Barnabas in Acts 13. They shake off, literally shake off their feet as they leave Antioch and Pisidia. And then in chapter 18, this is in uh, Corinth, the two letters to the Corinthians. When Paul was in Corinth, uh, Luke, he, accounts, he records this. This is chapter 18, he says, And he reasoned, being Paul, in the synagogue of every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And they opposed and reviled him. He shook out his garments and said to them, Imagine this. Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I go to the Gentiles. This is Paul. They rejected the the message of the truth. Paul says, that's it. This is on you. I'm leaving. I'm going to the Gentiles. And so we get this, this, it's not nice. Can we just say that? This is not a nice act. It is a testimony uh, of judgment because of the rejection of the truth of the message. And we see here, there's a promise by Jesus, you will be rejected. He's saying to the apostles, there will be places that reject you. They will oppose you. Expect this. And he has this, this principle of priorities. Don't spend all your time there. Move on. Focus on the, the homes, the places where people are hungry. They're wanting to grow. They're listening. They have ears to hear, as Paul says, or as Jesus says. 
So that's the commission. And then verse 6, we see, And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The apostles heard it, and they went, and they did exactly that. They proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God everywhere, town after town after town, as, just as Jesus did. And then what I didn't read, verse 7, who hears of this? Herod hears about this. Herod heard all that was happening. This commission, this proclamation of the gospel, the kingdom of God, it comes to the secular authorities. They hear this. It goes out. It impacts politics even. But okay, so that's what we see about the apostles. And we, I'm doing this on purpose because we can't just simply apply this strictly to us like, oh, I'm not supposed to carry anything, any bag, any extra coat or anything as I go out. That's not what he's saying. This is specific to the apostles as we see. It's specific for a time as we see. It changes later. Jesus himself changes it. And you see, it's very specific to this. But now I want to transition us to, okay, what is the mission of the church then? We see that this was specific to the apostles at that time. Now let's talk about the church as a whole. What is our mission? And we do see that, that following Jesus Christ is not just Jesus and coffee and me. That's not what Christianity is, not at all. Jesus, Christianity is far more than that. It comes with mission, it comes with risk, it comes with duty and responsibility, and it comes with an all-encompassing, all-of-life mission that Jesus Christ has entrusted us with. So let's turn to the mission of the church And you may be thinking of right now, rightfully so, the Great Commission, right? So turn with me to that where it's most popular, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. So we looked at this in this passage of Luke, this specific commission to the apostles. Now we're turning to, okay, like the apostles, what is our mission? Right now, here, what is our mission? Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells us what this is, as we know, the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, what we're going to do, we're going to read the Great Commission, we're going to consider it, and then we're going to see what does that mean for us here at Soli Bible Chapel. So Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first point I want to make is that this, uh, this mission of the church is not new. It's not a novel idea. It's not like God was like, oh, oh let's do something different. Let's do this. It's not new at all. It's a clear presentation, I would say. Genesis chapter 1, when man was created, God gave uh, Adam and and mankind uh, a mission. Recorded in Genesis 1, verse 28, it says, And God blessed them right at the creation, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the ground. And so you, you hear this message, you hear multiplying, you hear these things right? multiplying, uh, global, subduing the earth. And then as we go through uh, Revelation, as it progresses, you get to Abraham. 
God chooses a specific man through his descendants. He makes a covenant with them, and he says this. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. God says, I will bless those who bless you, speaking to Abraham. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We hear blessing. We hear it's global. It's all the nations. We see later, if you remember back in our study of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, Paul tells us that this was, in fact, God proclaiming the gospel to Abraham. This is how Paul interprets it. That's what's going on here. And then throughout the Old Testament, specifically the prophets and the Psalms, we see over and over how this blessing of the the nations will come through the anointed one, the Messiah and his kingdom. That's how the blessing will come. And now we have the Great Commission, Jesus the Messiah here, Jesus of Nazareth saying that all authority has been given to him. And he says, go, multiply, make disciples. And the blessing comes through this as they come to Christ. It's global. It's for all nations. And he says, to teach them to obey the Messiah, his dominion, dominion, his kingdom, his lordship. And so this mission, it's, it's not new. Go make disciples. That's the first point. The second point, which may be very important, or what am I trying to say? Very important, uh, the why. Why should we do this? Right? Why, as you probably hear, well, I'll expect to hear from Sawyer whenever I tell him to do something. Why? As you probably hear from your kids. Why are we doing this? What is the basis for this mission? And we see in the, the passage, depending on what translation you use, uh, go therefore. I'm not, I didn't look at the other translations, but yours might say go then or, or however it says. The therefore is tying what this commission to what came right before. He tells us why go and make disciples. And the reasoning is because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. That is why we go and make disciples of Jesus Christ because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And this has been told about and prophesied for centuries. And I'm going to go through these because I absolutely love them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel sees a vision. He sees Jesus Christ. That's who it is. This is what he records. I repeated this because it's amazing. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. What does Jesus refer to himself? A ton? Son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, being God the Father, and was presented before him. And this is at the ascension of Christ. And Daniel goes on, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. That is why we go and we make disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Isaiah 9, a verse we're coming with with Christmas, or that that's often brings up, but follow with this. Isaiah says, For us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord and hosts will do this. That is why we go and we make disciples. Psalm chapter 2. It's recorded. 
uh, speaking, uh, he says, verse 7, Psalm 2, verse 7 says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your, your, your possession. That is why we go, we make disciples, because Jesus did not forget to ask. Everything is Jesus's. He is king. He is Lord. In a rough paraphrase, the Great Commission is kind of Jesus saying, all is mine. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and get it for me. As my spirit empowers you, as my presence go with you, go, make disciples, disciple them, baptize them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So that is why we go, because all authority in heaven and earth is Jesus's. He is king. He has dominion. In the commission, the mission is to make disciples. How the, um, the grammar is set up, go therefore make disciples, that's the command, and then the baptizing and then the teaching are the two points on how, and that's how it's kind of set up. So the, the, the command is the make disciples of all nations. And a disciple literally is a student, a learner, which in that day, in the listeners of Jesus, the apostles, that, that would have been very common. It was very popular, very successful in, in Greek philosophy. Plato, Aristotle, all those good names you remember from school, they did a phenomenal job of discipleship. They would mentor and disciple someone, and then they would carry on the, their, their teaching, their philosophy, and it goes on and on and on. In fact, when the Romans came and they conquered Greece and the Greek kingdom, they couldn't completely get rid of the, the Greece in their thinking. In fact, they just took it and let it stand and used it. Hence the, the Greco-Roman world that we, we, we refer to that Jesus came into. And you see that discipleship is bringing every area of our lives unto the Lordship of Christ. Discipleship is, being, is, is obeying Christ all that he commanded in every area of life. Our marriages, our hobbies, our finances, our career, education, our parenting, our attitudes, our relationships, on and on and on. So our mission is to make disciples. And notice, and please note that it's not simply make converts or get decisions, but rather it's to make disciples. One pastor has said that we, we treat evangelism like we treat marriage. We focus so much on the wedding and we don't invest as much in the, the marriage to last for decades. In the same way, we focus so much on just trying to get someone to make a decision and we do not focus at all on actually discipling them. And so we see here in this mission is not just to get converts or make them a decision. It's not a catch and release. It's a catch, train, and then send out. There's this process of making disciples. And Jesus tells us how. Number one, baptize them. In Romans 6, Paul tells us that baptism is a picture of the believer being united with Christ in his death and resurrection. That baptism symbolizes what happens to a person who trusts in Christ. And we baptize them as, the, as a first act of obedience. And notice that it's in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Each person in the Trinity 
is at work in our salvation. God the Father calls us and justifies us. God the Son saves us and redeems us. God the Spirit regenerates us, sanctifies us, and makes us holy like Jesus. And so we make disciples by leading them to trust in Christ alone, by proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God as Jesus commissioned. And we baptize them. Number two, we teach them. We teach them. We teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded, all of Christ for all life, all areas. Jesus touches on everything, everything of life. Any situation we go into, Jesus, the Bible, has, has some principles, some spoken about it. This takes time. This takes energy. This takes a long time teaching as we continue to teach. To, to summarize this, I love the summary from Tony Evans. You may know him. His summary of the mission of the church, this is what he says. He says, God has called out of the world a body of people known as the church, men and women and young people who live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He wants us to become disciples who make other disciples who can then be sent out into the satanically controlled world to infiltrate its structures and bring the thinking of Christ to bear on every part of society until every nation has been discipled. That is the mission of the church. What does that mean for us here at Soli Bible Chapel? And that's why I want to look at the remaining of this time. What does that mean? Go and make disciples. The mission of Soli Bible Chapel, I assume long before I came, has been presenting Jesus as a Savior and exalting Jesus as Lord. Amen. And that's exactly what we do, what, what, what's been done, what we are doing and what we'll continue to do. Presenting Jesus as a Savior, exalting Jesus as the Lord. And we have this mission. And, and listen to me, Christianity is personal. God is intimate and He cares about you as an individual, but it's so easy, it's so common for all of us to fall into thinking that Jesus is just about me, coffee, and, and that's about it. And that's what we can get sucked into. But it's much more than that. It's this mission of Christ. And so we cannot reduce Christianity to just between us and Jesus, and that's it. There's far more to it. In fact, I would argue that having a self, and I know this from experience, having self as an end of our purpose is so empty and so boring that we just think it's about us. But having a purpose of life that's tied with Jesus Christ and his lordship is invigorating. And it impacts every single area of our lives. How we work, how we leisure, how we, how we have marriage, how we parent, how we do with our hobbies, social media, all these things. And so this morning, as we consider this mission for Soli Bible Chapel, if you're here, we've all been there, where the days just seem to bleed together, the weeks just seem to bleed together, there's no real drive, there's no real mission, nothing really connecting it at all. There can be this kind of haze that kind of suffocates us. It just seems a, a lack of meaning. Why am I doing this? But God has given us here at Solway a glorious vision of Jesus Christ, the King, and His commission to go out and make disciples of Him. And I'm not sure if we hear this in the Great Commission. It literally is a mission to conquer the world. And I say that seriously. In the sense of go, make disciples of all nations. Go. 
Go make disciples of all nations. Start here in our households, in our church family, in our community, in our region, our state, and go. And it's a truly great and worthy, uh, worthy of our lives. One, I, I love this. I had to bring this up. One pastor, he summarizes the mission of God with this. Slay the dragon, save the girl. And that seems kind of, oh, that's kind of kiddish. But that's how he summarizes it. Slay the dragon, save the girl. And that, I would say, is exactly what we see in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of uh, a man in sin, God tells of the first of the gospel that you will have a, you will have a child and the serpent will, will strike his heel and you will crush his head. Jesus has come to destroy the works of Satan, the old serpent, the old dragon, and to save his bride, the church, the girl. And then in Romans, at the end of Romans 16, I love this. Paul ends, then, uh, end, he ends Romans in verse 20 of 16. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so we see this connection that you are included. You are in on this mission. How marvelous that we are invited, we are involved, we have reason, we have purpose, we have meaning. And so here at Soy Bible Chapel, we present Jesus as Savior, we exalt Him as Lord, we make disciples by having Sunday school classes, small groups, youth group. We do this as we teach each other, exhorting each other to obey Christ and everything He says in all life as we continue to grow in the end. This is why we gather together this morning to worship Jesus Christ, to take the Lord's Supper together, to baptize, to learn more and more of obeying Christ. This is why we are being trained and expectantly being sent out and ready to give a defense for the hope that's within us, as Peter says, when we're at work. And people ask, why are you so thankful? Life just stinks right now. Why are you so thankful? And we have a, we're ready to answer, this is why. This is why our marriages, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, is the only relationship that pictures the gospel, Jesus and his bride, marriage. And so as we go out, anyone that we come in contact with, we make disciples by our marriages proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our families, we work towards a vision of multi-generational legacy. We make disciples of our children first. Raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, uh, Colossians, coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6. We present Jesus as Savior and exalt Him as Lord as we proclaim the truth to our culture in any avenue we can. We do this by being involved in proclaiming the gospel to the nations, by supporting the different missionaries we have across the world. Our, our partnership with our, the congregation in Haiti, the Operation Christmas Child, as we help the gospel going out in the world. We love others as defined by Jesus and not the world. We live in obedience to Christ and not to the spirit of the age. So when they see that, see that we live different, and they ask why, we are ready to tell them this is why. Jesus is king and we can share the gospel. And every week we send out dozens of missionaries into their workplace, into their households, into their families, into their schools, proclaiming the kingdom of God. So this is why we do what we do, because Jesus is king, everything is his. And praise God, because he is an amazing king. 
Our mission here at Soe Bible Chapel is very similar to the mission that Jesus gives the apostles at this time in Luke chapter 9. Their message was to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's our message. They were to depend on God and to trust God to provide in a different way, but it's exactly what we do. We go out. We, we trust God to provide. We trust God to use his word and to work and to draw people to him. They were empowered by Jesus Christ doing some awesome stuff with healing and exercising demons. We have the spirit of God within us. We have the spirit who convicts of sin, John 16. He's the author of the new birth and regeneration. Titus 3, 5, he enables people to confess Jesus as Lord, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. We have that spirit indwelling with us. They had the 12, the 12 apostles. We have the Soe Bible Chapel Church family, every single one of us. Those who are here, those who are not, and every single one of us has an important role. We cannot do this without you. We cannot. They were opposed and hated. We will be rejected and hated by the world. We'll be called names. We'll be slandered. The world, Jesus tells us over and over, is hostile to Christ. They killed him. They're hostile to Christ and to truth and his reign. And the message they preached reached the secular authorities, and we are going to continue to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom in all areas. So, friends, this message of the gospel, this, this mission to proclaim, to make disciples, is not a suggestion. It is not a life hack. It's not an option among different options to get a, a spiritual high where the gospel is a command for all. Submit to King Jesus, who is Lord of all, through faith. Repent and trust in him alone, and you will be forgiven. The election drags on with questions. COVID keeps on happening. Things different. The world, the U.S., seems to get further and further away from anything Christian. But do not give up. Do not grow weary. We are commissioned to go and make disciples of every nation, everywhere, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that Jesus Christ has said. And so we go. We disciple our families. We disciple in our church family. We disciple our community. We're going to disciple our region. We're going to disciple our state. We're going to disciple our country and the nations because that's what we're commanded Jesus, to close here, Jesus said, he articulated his mission at one point this way, to seek and to save the lost and praise God for his mission. The only reason I stand here today is because of Jesus Christ. And the only reason you sit there today is because of Jesus Christ and that mission. And praise God for the men and women in my own life who decided to disciple me. And praise God for those in your life who listened and discipled you. And so we go today, and Jesus says, in a rough paraphrase, all is mine, now go and get it for me. Pray with me. Father, Lord, thank you, God. Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for your grace, your forgiveness. Lord, even when we are so beat down and discouraged, and we're close to despair, God. You hold us. You don't let us go. Father, we pray that we see that this mission you've given us to disciple others, to be disciples of you, 
May we see how this connects to every area of our lives, God. It gives meaning and purpose to every single workday, every single conversation about anything, Lord, that it gives so much meaning and purpose. Lord, as we go out this week, may that just be on our minds, empowering and invigorating us. God, thank you, Lord, for those that you brought into our lives who took the time, who went aside and discipled us. And Lord, thank you for those who are discipling us right now. They're investing time and energy into our lives, God. We are so thankful and so grateful. May we be that person that was that person for us. And may we be that to our kids, to other kids in our church family, to other people in our church family. May we be that, Father. And Lord, we ask this all in your Son's name. Amen.